Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by SeatGeek. That's our presenting sponsor for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on NBA tickets. All you have to do is use promo code BSNBA. Perfect gift for the holidays. Once again, promo code BSNBA. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, which has just added the JJ Reddick Podcast. Um launched against against all odds cousin sal's podcast house of carbs joe house's podcast one shining podcast with tate frazier and uh mark titus our college basketball and more podcast and a whole slew of others all you have to do is go to the ringer.com slash podcasts and you can get all of the podcasts that we have including this one where we had um we did a bunch of them uh i think we're getting close to 300 for bs podcast for the last 25 months or so so um, all of them are on there. And there you go. Uh, on Monday night, Bloomberg broke a story about a lawsuit filed by a former NFL Network employee that alleged sexual harassment against a number of her coworkers at the NFL Network. One of the names was Eric Weinberger, now the president of BSMG, someone who's been on this podcast before. Here's the statement that The Ringer gave on Monday night after the story broke. We said... These are very serious and disturbing allegations that we were made aware of today. We are placing Eric on leave indefinitely until we have a better understanding of what transpired during his time at the NFL, and we will conduct our own internal investigation. Unfortunately, um, that's all we can say publicly right now. I just wanted to mention that here just in case um, it it was a story that was covered pretty extensively in our statement, I think was in most of them, but... Just in case you missed that, that was uh, what we said. One of those weeks where, you know, we make content as a as a website and as a company, and it's got to keep going, and and that's all we can do is keep going. So we're going to call my buddy Jacko and talk about a bunch of stuff that happened in, in the sports world today and just keep going here. Well, we're taping this on a Wednesday, and there's a lot of storylines going on right now that directly affect my buddy Jacko. Long-time member of the uh, BS Report once upon a time, BS Podcast now. I don't even know where to begin, but I think we should <laughs> probably begin with the return of the evil empire, which is not not Star Wars coming back, but the Yankees. The Yankees have come yeah. back. Um, get, walk us through your reactions this weekend. Um, it was It's magical. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and I got a wonderful Christmas present. It was. I mean, I woke up Friday and I'm looking on the internet, and you know there was reports that <clears throat> Giancarlo had did not had uh, declined to go to St. Louis and/or San Francisco to sit down and talk with them. That he wouldn't waive his no trade for them, and they had the list of the four teams, the Yankees included. You know, the four teams that were in the ACL LCS last year, and. Um, so your you know your mind starts to think about it a little bit. It's like you know they don't really need Giancarlo Stanton. It would be like a, a wonderful luxury to have, but it wasn't high on their list of priorities in the off season. So and I'm like, there's really no way this is going to happen because they're going to have to part with too many prospects. And I, I'm now at the point where I'm like in love with these prospects and I don't want to part with them. It's amazing that I've, I've come to be one of those guys, but I am one of those guys now. So. It was kind of like you start to get hopeful and you're reading like John Heyman and, you know, Ken Rosenthal and all the usual baseball suspects and hearing these rumors and things. And then I was refreshing Twitter far too frequently and I'm trying to talk myself out of it. I'm like, this isn't going to happen. And then I wake up on Saturday 
and I'm looking at Twitter, and I see they have a deal in place, and I was just absolutely incredulous. It was so exciting, and then the possibilities, you know, you start thinking about, obviously, Stanton and Judge batting, you know, next to each other, back-to-back, and belly-to-belly, as John Sterling would say, and you're like, my God, what a, what a lineup. It's just incredible. And the fact that, you know, they gave up Starlin Castro, who I like a lot, and some, you know, lower-level yeah. prospects. Sorry about that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's been tough to say goodbye to Starlin Castro. <laughs> No, I, I think I you'll be fine. Like him, but okay, you know, it, it didn't really hurt that much to part with him. So but it must I was have, like super it, excited. It must have hurt to give up your seventh best prospect and somebody who's not in the top one hundred. <laughs> that must have been painful. <laughs> it was hurtful, but I mean, it, the funniest part was after the trade happened, and it looked like you know he was going to obviously since the Yankees were allegedly on his uh, on, on his list of approved teams. It looked like it was going to happen, so I'm I'm talking to my, I'm kind of all excited talking to my phone, and so I said to my wife, I'm like, wow, the Yankees just made a big trade for this guy who was the NL MVP and he hit all these home runs. She looks at me and she goes, don't the Yankees need pitching? Wow, you really <laughs> yeah, trained her. Incredible, absolutely. And she she really you know she puts up with me watching these games, but she's not like really into it. But she, she did know that pitching was more of a priority than Giancarlo, so it deflated me a little bit. But then of course I moved on. And, you know, when you read things like the last time the team with the most home runs added the guy with the most home runs was when Babe Ruth got traded. You know, your mind starts to go crazy with possibilities. So it was exciting. It was it was great. I'm like, I'm ecstatic. It came out of nowhere and it's just been huge. Well, I first of all, it didn't come out of nowhere because you put your secret agent plant to buy the Marlins. <laughs> yes, for right. he bought and part of that. Plant, I love how you didn't mention him. Tra- would trade them. Jeter, the beloved Derek Jeter, the El Capitan. Yeah, um, disgraced his legacy. Part of that plan, obviously, was to trade him to the to the Cardinals and or the Giants first, and then have him reject that. It was yep. all part of our nefarious plan. Yeah, he sh- he he shopped him around to teams that Stanton didn't want to play for before <laughs> miraculously arriving at at the Yankees, the team that um, you know, he's one of the most famous Yankees of all time. He's the captain. Yeah. He goes to Florida. They buy the Marlins for one point one billion dollars for some reason, reasons that remain unclear. <laughs> he is a four. Right. He has a four percent stake, which right. I think comes out to like forty five million of his of his own money. He becomes the front facing person of it. The guy behind the scenes is somebody who's, as Michael Bauman wrote about in the Ringer on Saturday, has a history of just gutting things. So they buy this team. Stadium's already paid yeah. for because they swindled the fans. Jeets comes in as the as the conquering hero, one of the great Yankees. He's going to teach us all about how to win. And comes in, <laughs> immediately fires a bunch of mm-hmm. longtime employees, uh, announces that they're dramatically cutting the budget, gets into a stare down with their best player and one of the best home run hitters of the last 20 years, shops them around, and it just doesn't look like it's going to work out. And then miraculously, who comes to save them? The New York Yankees. Well, at least the Yankees gave up a lot in the trade. Oh, no, they didn't give up anything. You gave up nothing. <laughs> I still don't understand. Yeah. If you would just sign Mike Stanton for the 265 he's due for the next 10 years or so, that would have been a great signing. And you didn't right. have to give up anything. I, I just don't understand how this trade happens. And more importantly, why would you want to buy a baseball team and then ruin it? Especially if you're Derek, Derek Jeter and you had this awesome career, people like you, you leave with respect, you move, you 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 start the Players Tribune, which 
you know, I have mixed feelings about the Players <laughs> Tribune, but at least it's right. you can point to something. And then he does this. I don't understand what's in it for him, this allegedly competitive guy. Why is he doing this? Well, I mean, I, one of the things that confuses me is, is in this whole thing is that Jeter keeps getting all the heat for these things. Like, you know, back in October, the Marlins got rid of a scout while he was in the hospital recovering from cancer surgery or chemotherapy. Yeah. The guy had been with the team forever, and they get rid of him then. They get rid of Jeff Conine, who's apparently a beloved Florida Marlin, <clears throat> you know, Florida Marlins legacy that is beloved, and they get rid of him. Jeter only owns 4% of the team. How much say does he have in these things? What I don't understand is if he if if he's calling the shots is one thing, and the PR on it has been horrible. And you would think that after an amazing PR camp PR career in New York, where he never had a blemish on him, that he would know better how to manipulate the media and present these things in a better way. Right. Or he's not calling the shots, and he's just being put out there as the scapegoat. Which is like, why, why would you pay, you know, forty five million dollars to be the scapegoat? Well, I see. I think and it just looks we, awful. But we've seen this happen before. It hasn't happened as much recently because the rich guys kind of figured it out. Where, you know, they would put together these guys would want to buy a team, right? Famous people, usually right. famous athletes, and it's like I'll buy the team. Um, I'll put up four percent of the money. You put up the rest, and I'll run it. And these rich guys are like, "Oh my God, Derek Jeter's calling me on the phone. This is great. I'll do it." And then they realized they gave away all the executive power to this person who owns 4% of the team. Over the course of the last 10 years, I think rich people realized it's really idiotic for me to own a team and then give somebody else the car keys. So we haven't right. seen it as much. In this case, I think the guy's name is Bruce Sherman. Is that the guy's name, Tate? Yeah. I, um, think, I think that's what it is. Bruce Sherman's looking at the Marlins as like this entity that he can you know he's looking at it like a, like a car that just has all these parts and the parts the sum of the whole of the parts is not worth as much as the parts so now it's like all right i'll strip down the car and get down the debt pay everything off and then the parts are actually pretty good because you have this really good park you're in a big city that uh, you've shit on the fans now three different times over the last 20 years but Ultimately, 10 years from now, if you keep the budget way, way down and you try to rebuild, maybe this is an asset with all the TV money and live sports and everything. The the, the part I don't get is how you talk Jeter into this, how you talk Derek Jeter well, into being like, you get to own this, but here's the only problem. You're going to have to destroy baseball in Miami for the next seven years. I mean... Jeter is a hyper-competitive guy. He's probably the most competitive guy since Jordan. Um, All right, settle you know, down. I've seen things settle, where he settle talks down. about, like... Settle down. Take a, <laughs> throw some water on yourself. Tate Frazier just hung up on me. Sorry, hello? No, hello. no Tate uh, Frazier's a Yankee uh, fan. He's nodding and, and approvingly. You're corrupting uh, him. I thought it was going to be a North Carolina thing that he was going to be bitter that anybody was compared to Jordan, but he's no, hyper-competitive. He no, Tate's the classic. He didn't won. have a team in North Carolina, so just pick the best team. He's like, he just looked at the standings. He's like, who's on top of the AO East? He's like, who's on top of the AO East today? I need a baseball team. Yeah, the Yankees. So he's a hyper-competitive guy. He wants to be an owner. This opportunity obviously presented itself. He lives in Florida, and maybe he looks at it like it's like a house flipper. Like you buy this dog of a house that's riddled with problems. Yeah. You're going to suffer through the renovation of it, you right. know, bulldozing things and knocking down things. You're going to build it up. And in five or 10, maybe not five, but 10 years when they have hoarded prospects, 
Right. And they become like the Astros or the Cubs or the Yankees with all these prospects that now blossom into superstars. And then you're a hero in Miami because you're the guy that brought baseball back. You suffered through the lean years. And hopefully now you're on top and you're at least competitive, if not dominant. Right. The but... thing that's bad is I don't understand why he would be, you know, he gets murdered in the press now about getting rid of scouts and cleaning out the front office of popular people. You know, the thing the thing's a mess. They're four hundred million dollars in debt somehow. They yeah. have these con- they had a contract, they couldn't pay the Stanton and they can't put anybody around them because they can't spend any money. And then they just, but Stanton is obviously a very popular player in Miami since he's the only you know, the big name face of the franchise. Yeah. They the only reason to go to the park. The, right. They get rid of them. It's over the weekend. It's a tough day for the franchise. And then the baseball winter meeting start, and Jeter, all, all, all these reporters that I was reading were commenting on how Jeter didn't even show up in Orlando for the winter meeting, the, the new face of the franchise, at least to explain things and give the fans some hope. And then I'm watching the Patriots-Dolphins game on Monday night, and ESPN is showing him in a luxury box watching the Dolphins game. Yeah. You don't think <laughs> that was a good look? That's a bad look for Jeter. It's a terrible look. I mean, he's got to be better than that to know, like, I just traded this guy. I'm allegedly running this baseball team now, and I'm watching a football game during the winter meetings. What I don't understand is how he didn't get one of the top three prospects that you have. I'm not saying he had to get Torres, but maybe get the number three guy. And then reading about the trade over the last couple of days, you know, not only did the Yankees not have to give up any of their big prospects, but then they got the Marlins to commit to this $30 million yeah. payment if right. Stanton opts into his contract in 2020 and and then you read the articles and I don't know if the Yankees are just bluffing because they don't want to make Jeter look bad but they're like you know we talked about it internally we went back and forth it's like what, what the fuck did you guys go back and forth on Dude, Meg Stanton had 59 <laughs> home runs last year he's 28 years old ah uh, we didn't know we, we had to talk to Judge and see if he was okay it's like fuck you of course you were doing this all, trade first of all his name's Giancarlo Let's stop calling him Mike. I, I, I'm going to call him whatever. You know what? He's on the Yankees. I'll call him whatever I want. I'm going to call him Mike for the rest of the year. That's Giancarlo to you. And, um, He's Mike. The Marlins, I think he had the Marlins completely over a barrel. He was calling all the shots. He has this contract that they can't pay. And he refused to go to any team but but one of the four on his list. Well, hold on. And, go backwards you know, on that, though. I don't know if the Dodgers were... Go backwards. Dodgers, Wait, hold on. They couldn't have... They want, the, I want to before you keep going. I want to point out one thing because it's really important. Mike Stanton in 2014. There's a chance he's like one of the great geniuses who's ever played baseball. That contract he negotiated is incredible. Right. He he basically the Marlins are like here. We want you to stay, and he's like, eh, I don't know if I trust you. Uh, what if we do the contract this way, and I get an out right. after six years, and I'll take less money these first couple and we'll backload it and I'll give you a chance to be competitive these first couple years and I want to know and I want a no trade clause the entire time and they're like oh what about half the time he's like nope these are my three conditions so he does it and it was like that one of the articles called was saying he was like Nostradamus Nostradamus Stanton because he basically right. smelled out exactly what was going to happen and then when they when it came time to gut the team and trade him he could decide where he wanted to go and what the situation was. And it was kind of incredible. Like he really not only outthought the owner in 2014, but had Jeter over a barrel. So anyway, keep going with the teams. So, I mean, you know, apparently the Dodgers, 
didn't want to take on all the money, so they were trying to they were trying to give better prospects, and in order to have the Marlins eat some of the contract. Yeah, and the Marlins couldn't eat the contract. I mean, the Marlins are basically like somebody that owns a house. Right. And they can't pay their mortgage, and they have like a five thousand dollar leather couch, and they can't, they can't pay for that either. And somebody comes, and I'm like, I'll give you five hundred bucks for that couch, right. and you don't, you know, you bought, you paid five grand for it, but you can't pay your mortgage and you can't pay the couch. So if they if you say no, you're stuck paying for it. Yeah, but here's the thing. So Wait a second, though. These guys, it's not like the owner had the team for the last seven years. Like these guys bought the team knowing this was going to happen. Oh, I know. That's the part I don't get. It's like. What's fun about anytime this happens? I always try to look at it like the owner. It's like, what's fun about doing this? There's so many different things you can buy. You know what? What? Why because is this fun? Super duper rich. Because if you're a super duper rich hedge fund guy, you could buy all the Ferraris and all the Picassos that you want. There's only so many professional sports teams. When you're at the country club and you know you're with Steve Ballmer and he owns a team and Mark Cuban owns a team and you don't own a team, at least you can say you own one now. Yeah, but wait you a second. But, like right, but, but hold that thought. Yeah, you can say that, but you're like the guy, the guy with the worst asset in the room. You're like, what team do you own? I own the Marlins. You know, the team that just got gutted. Like, you look like you're a loser. The whole point of owning it's a team. A major league, it's still a major league baseball yeah, franchise, though, and you figure it's going to be good in a few years, and so you're you're riding out the rough years, and then you I can guess. walk in with some swagger in a few years. But it's still an ego purchase. You buy a sports team. Oh, totally. It's you. You're basically swinging your dick around and being like, "I'm a rich guy, and here's my. And I have a yacht, and I have this four, five giant houses, and I also have a sports team, and here's a sports team." So, you're doing that, and then the sports team is this, you know, like the runt of the litter, and and you just yeah, traded the best great. player for nothing. It's like, oh, so what team do you own? I own the Marlins. Yeah, we just took twenty cents on the dollar for Mike Stanton. <laughs> I'm still calling him Mike. You're not stopping me. The rough part is going to be obviously going to games. If you're the owner and you're sitting in your luxury box and there's ten other people in the stadium with you that have paid to come in, and you're continuing to bleed money. I mean, that's why Jeter ought to be out there doing a sales pitch, saying like, "Look, we have Yelich, and we're going to build around him, and we're going to have some prospects or Ozuna if they don't Yelich. trade him, whoever they're going to build around." I know it's not great, but Jesus. Um, you know, you got to sell it. Like, look, we're going to have these kids. You're going to watch these kids for the next five years. They're going to struggle and they're going to blossom. And it's going to be like, you know, the Cubs with Chris Bryant or the Yankees with Judge. Eventually, we're going to have some superstars. It's going to take some time and let's build it together. You know, hold on, we should be out there doing that. Quick break to talk about Go Ninety from my friend Peter Berg, the creator of Friday Night Lights. Comes QB One, a series that takes you inside the lives of the nation's top high school quarterbacks. This is the true story of high school football in America, like Jake Fromm, before he was the breakout true freshman, leading Georgia to the conference championship. He was one of the great high school quarterbacks in Georgia history. QB1 takes you inside his journey to stardom. Follow Jake along with Tate Martell and and Tavon Bowers as they tackle the most important season of their lives on and off the field. This is the true story of high school football in America, told through the eyes of the nation's top quarterbacks, Watch QB1 every episode is streaming online. Just go to go90.show slash BS. Um, this whole thing reminds plus me of... We'll get, plus, Jeter will get, plus Jeter will get to show all the fans his 2018 Yankees World Series rig that he'll probably get in October. So <laughs> <laughs> is that is Maybe that's just what they should do before every game. Just show him on the Jumbotron waving all four rings. <laughs> this is what you have to look forward to, everybody. Five. The five... 
Is it five? Oh, I don't really count 09. Yeah. I don't count 09. You cheated. Well, it's, it's a cheater year. Oh, my God. He's so many cheaters is, on that I, team. Is, I'm, en- I'm enjoying this hate level from you because it means that you're totally broken. This Gene Carlo train is broken. You know, it's fantastic. You're when, just, a, just a ball of hatred and bitterness, and I couldn't be happier. When you traded for Mike, I was really upset. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> I know. I read your tweet. No. Uh, fantastic. I will That's say. That's made it all the better because he was like the number one guy on the radar for the Red Sox. And no, he really wasn't, though. Like, we you know, we people, were never in it. We have nowhere to put him. People were calling. You have nowhere to put him. We have nowhere to put him. We have the he best outfield in the league. For you? Ah, best outfield oh, in the league. Ah, you don't trade for a DH. Yeah. <laughs> we're fine. Oh, my God. And that's what made it all the better. The Yankees didn't even need him. It was just like, you know, it was like adding a fifth tire to a car. It'd be nice to have another tire, but I don't really need it. And then the Red Sox desperately need him. They have no pop whatsoever. All I heard all summer was EEI about how they should trade everybody in the world for Giancarlo, and then he just falls right into the Yankees' lap. It's fantastic. I don't think so he. Good. I don't think he'll be able to handle a big market. I'm glad we avoided him. The... <laughs> <laughs> Too much pressure. Oh my god! Never played in a big baseball game in his life. 28 years old. I think he's going to fold like a piano. Uh, well, at least I at least I now know where that deflator excuse came from. I, you must have been behind that with the spin zone you got going. So. The Jeter doing this to the Marlins fans reminds me of uh, our hero, Norm MacDonald, when he hosted SNL, and he did this thing with the Kenny G Christmas album. Kenny G has a Christmas album coming out. <laughs> Happy birthday, Jesus. Hope you like crap. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> we, yeah, we did that joke for like three years. Uh, that's, what, yeah. that's what this reminds me of. Happy birthday, Marlins fans. Hope you like crap. We have Yelich. <laughs> Come see Yelich. For three dollars, yeah, it's uh exactly it's incredible. Like buy one ticket, you get three free. Like you got to make it really bargain. Two dollar beers or something, you know. Well, you have there's a couple of variables with this Judge Dan thing. First of all, to have two two sluggers who might not have peaked at as sluggers is pretty incredible. You have 110 homers combined last year, and they might actually together go for more than that. Um, For Mm -hmm. from a bench clearing brawl standpoint. It's the scariest combination of guys I think we've ever had. I, I remember the the Yankee team, that one awesome fight you had with Benitez. You guys had Oh yeah, the Orioles. That was legendary. You had the completely insane Daryl Strawberry. And then you had yeah. Graham Lloyd, the Austra- crazy Australian who I think was like six three or six four, and then somebody else big was on that team. Who was who else was on that team who could throw down? Jeff Nelson was a big guy. Yeah, and you, was Chili no, Davis he- still on that team? Uh, no, he wasn't on the team then. You had one other dude, but this is the combo of Stanton and Judge. Judge seems like a super nice guy, but you know, if if it ever uh, if it ever really goes down, it's nice to have a six foot seven guy and a six foot six guy. Well, you know, I, I was I was thinking that last year watching the Yankees because I, I would see them like opening day when they lined up, and and you had Judge who's six seven, but Tansis is six eight. Oh yeah, uh, Chapman is Chapman is six six, and Sabathia is like six six or six seven. Yeah, but the you didn't prob- really want to screw with the Yankees. The problem with Chapman is because he's 140 years old and he can't run. By the time he, <laughs> by the time he got out of the bullpen, the fight's over. It take him, it take him three hours to get from the bullpen to yes. the pitcher's mound. Let the heat flow through you. Yes. Well, yes. I think the rivalry might be. And back. Now they added Judge to that. Oh yeah. So our move is Machado's kind of out there. Right. He's he's kind of 
not really available, but he's a little bit available. I was watching Sports Center last night. I think Kirk Jim was on there and he was talking about they're thinking about moving him to shortstop, but he's also kind of available. And um, I would I would drive right. Xander Bogarts to the airport. I'd help him pack. Um, but I also, well, anytime you can trade a Hall of Famer, it's you know it's pretty incredible. So I would drive Hall of Famer Xander Bogarts to the airport. But I do I do think you know he was hurt last year. Um, I do think he's an asset, and I think if the Red Sox were thinking about an upgrade trade, and and it starts with Bogarts, and then you put a couple other pieces in there, the interesting part would be like if Machado, probably the the least favorite opposing player that Red Sox fans have right now, especially because right. he took out uh, our beloved Dustin Pedroia and ruined his season. Right. Um, right. That part would be interesting, but you know if Machado is going to be out there. I think there's only a couple teams that make sense. I'm not sure the Orioles would trade him to the Red Sox, but if th- my point is, if we're going to bring the rivalry, you're going to have to get rid of Ben Intendi. They'd, they'd want Ben Intendi, though, wouldn't they? Would you do that? Andrew Ben, the most handsome baseball player on the planet, Andrew, Andrew Ben Intendi? No, I wouldn't do that. Sure. I'm already, we, uh, we you're can't, not getting Machado. We can't trade Jimmy Garoppolo and Andrew Ben Intendi in the same year. Like, <laughs> What are the women of Boston going to do? Um, heartbreaking. I think uh, for the rivalry to really come back, and it's and it's inching toward there. I don't know if it'll ever be like it was in o two o three. You have Aaron Boone managing the Red Sox now, who is is just right. brings back PTSD for every Red Sox fan. Every every time I heard his voice doing an ESPN game, um, every time I see his face, it just brings me to a dark place. Um, awesome. You have him. You have these two sluggers. You have the fact that Jeter is still a secret agent who delivered this for you. And now if we got Machado, who, yeah. who, um, I, I'm, I'll be honest. I think the Yankee friends are afraid of Machado. I think he's had a lot no, of success. No, he's good. Yeah. He's had he some success. I'm not afraid of him. Um, I'm not afraid of him at least guy named Manny. We've had success with the name Manny. Yeah. That part, all of this excites me. I, I, I hope the rivalry is back because there's really no reason to care about regular season baseball other than your own team anymore. <laughs> there really isn't. I don't know who's on any team anymore. No. I just watch the Red Sox. <laughs> I really don't. We can't like Otani went to the Angels and your, I didn't know who else was on the team other than Mike Trout. What? What about your fantasy league? Yeah, the I know all the York. players, but I, I don't I don't it's weird. I know all the individual players in the AL, but I have no idea how they fold into the larger context of success or failure unless they're playing the Red Sox. <laughs> like I knew, I knew all the Astros. Is the Yankees have the. All you need to know, really, is the Yankees have the deadliest lineup since the '27 Yankees, and they're going to be a juggernaut for the next five to ten years. That's yeah. really all you need to know. Oh, great! I hope the rivalry comes back. Who bet? Who bets third and who bets fourth? By the way. Well, you know, there's a lot of talk about like they would that judge second because they want to break up the righties. But uh, you know, to my untrained eye, I want to see those two guys bat bat back to back. I would hit judge third and Stanton fourth if it was me. I, I don't want to. I don't care righty lefty. I want those two guys. I want like a you know Ruth Gehrig, Mental Maris. I want them back to back. Well, so from, I would go judge Stanton. From as a non-Yankee fan, from a TV flipping channel standpoint, if they were three four in some order. It's just one yeah. of those. Oh, it's the two, three, four. I'm watching. I might say a 500 foot home run. Yeah. And then, absolutely. If you're at the game, and you're not even talking about Gary Sanchez, who hit 35 plus home runs last year and missed a month of the season, and has over the past 160 games has like 50 something home runs. 
Can I can I tell you something about Gary Sanchez? Sure. I can I can get him out whenever I want. If any good pitcher, oh. I'm, I'm getting him out. Oh. You know it's Make, true. Save this recording. You know it's true. Save this recording. I'm getting Gary Sanchez out. Gary Sanchez is up. No. Guys on third and second, two outs. I have the right pitcher. The inning's over. Mark this tape. All right. Write that down. Save it. Save it. I like it. Save the rivalry's back. We might we might have a Red Sox Yankees podcast this year. Um, awesome. Quick break to talk about Uber. Don't be that guy who winds up parking 15 blocks from the arena. It's too cold out there these days for that. Instead, request an Uber ride anytime. With the Uber app, Uber is a safe and comfortable way to get where you need to be for sporting events. You won't have to pay for parking or spend time looking for a spot. Grab a ride to your company's holiday party or a night out with friends and family. Or if you're late getting into the office, take an Uber and work from the car. Even book your Uber in advance for a truly stress-free experience. Uber, a better way to get anywhere you have to be. You'll know the price before you book a trip can pay directly in the app. I know this decade it has single-handedly changed life in L.A., especially for young people, more than any other thing I can think of. Install the Uber app today from the App Store or Google Play. New riders get $5 off their first three rides if they use the code Bill Simmons. Offer expires on February 18, 2018. Uber, the better way to get anywhere you have to be. Okay, we have a couple other things in the agenda, Johnny. Otani goes to the Angels. Right. I was fascinated by this story because um, from what I heard from my inside sources, somehow I have inside sources on this one. And I think he's even nice. said this publicly. He wanted to be the only Japanese player on the team. He, oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah. So that ru- that just ruled out a so couple Tanaka teams. Tanaka killed us on that one? Yeah, I think it did. And I think he wanted to be on the West Coast because he liked warm weather. Yeah. I'm not sure he's been to Anaheim, which is basically Worcester with an amusement park. Um, in slightly better weather. But um, it wouldn't shock me if it came out that one of the three biggest reasons was that he really enjoys Disneyland. I'm prepared prepared for this to go in all kinds of directions, this this Otani signing. First of all, he's hurt. That seems important. He's got like a sore... It's amazing that teams knew that, and and teams knew that apparently before they all went and made their presentations to him. Yeah, I he's, thought that was like coming out after the fact, but they were aware he's got a bad elbow. Yeah, he's like, well, they're getting shots in it. It's a sore ulna nerve. It's usually the type of injury that leads to Tommy John surgery, but he should be okay. It's like, what? Yeah. So that was strange. Um, and his whole value is that he throws 102 or whatever as a pitcher. That's yeah. his whole value. I mean, I guess he can hit too, but I'll believe that when I see it. Well, the good news is no Japanese pitchers have ever come into Major League Baseball and then immediately hit arm problems. So there's no track record of that at all. Um, yeah, I love his chances. The uh, the thought of somebody pitching and then being the DH the other days, I don't think I've ever been more excited by a non-Red Sox anything. I know. It's, it's a phenomenal story. The fantasy baseball implications of this, it it is the most exciting thing that's ever happened in the history of fantasy sports. Because there's two scenarios. One, because the way fantasy sport, especially baseball and like the crazy league I'm in, you just get the pitching stats or the hitting stats. So right. when my AL pitchers in a three-game series in Wrigley, I don't get his stats when he goes over four. And conversely, I don't get the stats if he hits a homer. Um, I don't get right. the stats if Mookie Betts pitches the ninth inning. I don't get those don't count as pitching stats. It's always been historically divided. So now you have Otani. And the question is, do you count him, does he count as one person 
which if he did, it almost makes any snake draft unfair because you take him with the first pick and you're getting potentially a top-notch pitcher and you're getting two two top-notch players. Um, If you're in an auction, what's he worth? Could he be worth $75? Would you pay like you're paying a premium for two players? Or do you split him up? And make him two different, entirely human, two different human beings, and one is Otani the pitcher, and one's Otani the hitter, and a that's guy just I how it goes. Told me already that in his league they've had discussions, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to treat him as two separate players. Which so is one team will have Otani the DH, and one team could have Otani the pitcher. I think that's crazy. I think, the, I think he should count as the same. I think, like, when is this ever going to happen again? I, I just want to know what it's like, and I love the fact that. Uh, fairy tale, fairy tale baseball, as Corolla used to call it, that we're having like serious discussions about this. Like, like it's like, uh, like, um, like the, it's a senatorial decision about <laughs> yeah. same sex bathrooms or something. We're like, well, no now let's hear right. from drunk Tommy, drunk Tommy. What's where do you stand on this, on this important, Here's important case paper I've drafted. Yeah. But, uh, so that part's going to be fun. Um, the, the not fun part is that he's on the angels. What a what yeah. a depressing decision. They've had the best player in the league for five straight years. It's like, you know, you, you go yeah. to an Angels Red Sox game, there's fifteen thousand Red Sox fans there. I don't know. I think it's gonna be I think he's gonna be a bust. That's my prediction. I'm not just saying that because he didn't go to the Yankees. I, I was tweeting out things about oh, next year when they have Glaber and Otani because you know, the, all the hype, but I, I was never really a believer. I remember when, you know, Dice K was a Red Sox and he ended up being okay, but you loved you know, Dice they K. made it seem like he was like Roger Clemens and Cy Young and, you know, Sandy Koufax wrapped into one. And the I gyro think... ball and he pitched in this high school tournament and he's a national hero, a national treasure. Give me a break. Take yeah, I think and I, there's no way he's gonna, there's no way this kid's going to be able to pitch and hit in the major leagues on a consistent basis. No way, no how. And if he does, it'll be one of the most incredible things we've ever seen. We we can't lose and either I way. I tweeted out this because I read in the New York Post and it said his teammate was former Yankees prospect Brandon Laird, and how he Brandon Laird was singing his praises and this kid's going to be the mm. best thing in Major League Baseball and he's going to hit 500 foot home runs and throw 110 and whatever. And then it said Brandon Laird has led the Japanese league in home runs the past three years. So as I said, if you're dominant in a league where Brandon fucking Laird is <laughs> the home run leader. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think they're making your bust in Cooperstown just yet. He does throw 102 allegedly. Yeah. It's a fun we'll story. It's a baseball it will it's be fun this year. Cool to see it. Yeah, baseball is going to be super fun and I'm still just going to watch the Red Sox <laughs> and maybe flip over the Yes Network <laughs> for the Judge Stanton combo every once in a while which will which will be uh, sure. immensely entertaining. I I was rooting for him to go to the Mariners for some reason. My dream scenario. I kind of wanted we were arguing about it in the ringer slack. I really wanted Stanton to go to the San Francisco Giants because mm. that is a team that is successful but just incredibly boring all the time. And I really <laughs> right. like their ballpark. I like watching home runs go out of their ballpark. And I feel like it should be a rule in baseball that you have to have a home run hitter in, in, in that whatever the Giants stadium is called now. There has to be a home run hitter who's capable of hitting 500 foot homers into the water. The guys have to swim in the boats after it. Like, I just want that. I miss it. I miss that about the Bonds experience. So I wish he had gone there. But um, that's my favorite stadium of the ones that I have been to. It's in great. Baseball. The location I, and everything. It's, oh, it's, it's incredible. The size, the layout is perfect. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's fun for highlights, and it's fun when they're in the playoffs because I just like seeing that stadium. Um, that would have brought all the kayaks back and all that. That's true. I didn't even think about that. He would have been legendary there, hidden ball into the, into the bay, definitely. All right, uh, two other topics for us. First one, Mike Francesa leaves on Friday. Yeah. It's over. He had the uh, the farewell tour. He did a lot of interviews. Unclear what he's doing yeah. next. We, we Nobody's we, doing something. We did. He he seems like he wants to do a variety of things. I offered him a chance to at least keep his NFL picks alive for the next six weeks, either on this podcast or we would create a special six episode podcast, whatever he wanted. Um, he could do it by right. himself. He could do it with me, and uh, we'd post it on Fridays. He is considering that. I can I can nice. say that um, publicly, but um, I, I I was think... hoping that maybe like for my maybe for my birthday you could dial me in as a third man, just like a cameo appearance, just once. I could oh. appear with you and Francesa. Oh, just I'm not talk, Francesa, and I can just talk about the Yankees. I was. <laughs> not only do does it not need to be your birthday for that to happen. Not not only am I planning on doing that, I was going to have you do it and immediately start doing your your Mad Dog impersonation. Excellent, and just That'd see how phenomenal. Con- and see how confused we could make Francesa. It's the role I was born to play. And Mike would be like, "What's what's what's let's hash out how it would sound." It would be like, "All right, uh, Detroit, they're they're home against Philly. Nick Foles is in there." <laughs> He'd be so confused. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's weird times, and uh, just the thought that he's not going to be the guy anymore, and then they're replacing him with this three-headed oh. hosting combo, one of which is Bart Scott, who doesn't even really have any New York ties, which I couldn't... Right. If they he were going to go... Jets for like a minute and a half. I just thought they were going to go with... I forget the name of one of the mid-morning shows, but I just thought they were going to promote those guys because New Yorkers want to hear New Yorkers, you know. Well, that, you know, I think that's one of the that's that's one of the problems the fan had before they hired Mike and the Mad Dog is they have these guys that were not New York guys. Yep, and they were almost trying to do a national show, and nobody in New York cared about it. Pete Franklin, and I think you know exactly Pete Franklin, and he was from Philly, and he hated New York, <laughs> and the fans hated him, and it was a disaster. You know, they got a problem with that in their morning show. I'm no radio producer, but on Monday I'm driving to work, and I'm like, oh, I, you know, the Yankees just traded for Stanton over the weekend. I turn on the morning show, and because Boomer Esiason is the lead guy and the football guy, they're doing like a football breakdown about like the Eagles-Rams game. Yeah. And I'm like, you, you know, you, you got to be doing – one of the, the NL MVP just gets traded to the marquee franchise in the city, the New York Yankees, and you're breaking down the, the Eagles-Rams game? Yeah, Fran- New Yorkers don't want that. Francesa succeeded for a variety of reasons. One was that he could go anywhere on any topic. So if Stanton was getting traded, his Monday show is going to be about Stanton. He's fully prepared to talk about that. Of course. He's not pigeonholed by a sport. Two is that he had the New Yorker DNA, thought like a New York fan, t- hit the same kind of angles and questions and fears and all all the stuff that goes with being a fan, he understood it. And one of the reasons he worked so well with Dog, which we've discussed before, is Dog was the outsider who actually didn't like New York and that kind of natural right. tension really the Yankees worked. And, right. But the other thing with Mike is he even to the bitter end, like he did his homework. He still watches sports. And I think that that's something as we've seen 
different sports media people get older, whether they're columnists or feature writers or radio hosts or TV anchor, TV, whatever. Um, if you stop doing the homework and you stop actually watching the games like you used to, but the people are going to notice, you know, um, we've seen that infect a lot of people's careers, especially late. Like I, I think that was the biggest issue with Rick Riley last decade where he just became this kind of glib 800 word columnist. And it was clear that he didn't really like sports anymore. And people yeah. could, people could <laughs> sense it. And the stuff he was gravitating toward wasn't, there didn't seem to be a passion behind it. And I think Francesa kept that passion to the end, you know, to 30 straight years. Like, that amazing, dude cares. What, the most amazing thing about him is his recall of sports too. Like you could say, you know, remember game five and 73 at the right. World Series? He'll be like, you know, he could tell you what the count was. Basically, in the seventh inning on the third hitter, you know, it's incredible. A guy called yesterday and said, I met you at Super Bowl 22 on Radio Row, and, you know, you guys were one of the first ones there. And then Princess had proceeded to go through, like, the, like the Super Bowls from the early 90s and what the radio presence was like on Radio Row. And he can remember, like, all the places the Super Bowls were and, what the, you know, who was there on Radio Row. It's incredible memory. Yeah, and you, and you know what's really impressive about it? As you get older... What's that? There's just more... Your, oh, yeah. your brain's like a garage, and you just keep putting more and more stuff in the garage and eventually like stuff starts tipping over and things start breaking and you just can't, you get, you get years confused. I still have a really good memory, oh, yeah. but it's not nearly as good as it was 10 years ago. Your memory with, especially with stuff that happened with us in college is still amazing to me. <laughs> um, but Francesca, a couple brain cells left. Yeah, Francesca is what, 12, 13 years older than us and still yeah. can be like, yeah, that's like, in 83, when Phil Sims had that rough stretch when they went 0-5 and he threw four interceptions <laughs> exactly. no touchdowns, they were worried about him. And um, Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see just as a city, New York as a sports city, who kind of fills that void that that he's going to leave? Who is going to be? Is it Boomer Esiason? Does he become the voice of New York sports? Is it some writer that I'm Michael not aware Kay? of? Is it Michael Kay? I would say Michael Kay is maybe the He's lead the afternoon drive guy. He's the voice of the Yankees. He's got a leg up already, I think. But, but like know, when, I, don't, I don't know what kind of numbers his show does. Like when Eli gets benched, who is the go-to voice, though? I don't know. Uh, I don't live there, Francesca, and I don't know. Well, it's Francesca now, but I'll tell you who it won't be. It won't be Bart Scott. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think Bart Scott I will last like less than a year. All. Yeah, I just I don't, yeah, I don't think... No you can't be an outsider, and if, if you're an outsider... You have to play a certain role like Dog did, and you have to be such a character that you can pull it off. Right. But uh, but that's the only way it's going to work. One more break, and then we'll come back. Last break to talk about movement. Holiday shopping can be tough, but thanks to movement, all that gift-giving anxiety can disappear with the press of a button. With movement, you can skip the crowds and skip standing in crazy lines. Find a gift they'll love at prices that beat department stores. Movement watches start at just $95. By selling online, they were able to cut out the middleman and retail markup, providing a price that's four to five times less than you'd find at department stores. What a wonderful holiday gift, too. Classic design, quality construction, styled minimalism. Over 1 million watches sold in over 160 countries. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns. All I have to do is go to mvmt.com slash bill. It's a watch with a clean design that makes a great fashion statement. Step up your watch game. Go to MVMT.com 
slash Bill join the movement. All right, last topic. Um, Holy Cross might change its name. We have not yeah. talked about this yet. Uh, it's it's apparently been going on for the last few months. And from the research, right. the research I've done, it's it's stemmed from some students at the school and maybe some other people. And um, I didn't really get excited about it or worried about it until Tommy Heinsohn got involved. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a bad sign right. that 83-year-old Tommy Heinsohn was upset about it. I'm at the stage of my life where I don't want anything to upset Tommy Heinsohn or Bob Cousy. I want them to live for as long as possible. Um, they're our last link to any sports glory with Holy Cross. They're two of our national treasures. The Coos is 90 at this point. The Coos went on the record right. and he was against it. Dan Shaughnessy wrote a pretty good column actually about, I uh, did. I read it the other day. Yeah. yeah. The pros and cons about it. And basically Holy Cross's name is the Holy Cross Crusaders. It's the last name of the sports team, which whether that matters or not. Um, Tate, how much would you care if they changed North Carolina Tar Heels? A lot. Tate would care a lot. So it matters, but ultimately you call it North Carolina, UNC. We call it Holy Cross HC, but we also said Satyrs. And definitely Crusaders, Satyrs was a part of our college experience. The newspaper was called The Crusader. The the comedy troupe that um, people got selected for that did all the sketches at the end of the year that I didn't get selected for. And I'm still bitter 30 years later, um, 25 years later. Um, that was called the Crusaders, And it's just been part of, it's just part of the college. So right. now they're talking about changing it because it's, and I'm just, I'm reading from the internet. The Crusaders, a figure gleaned from the bloody medieval conflicts where Christians sought to expel mm-hmm. Muslims from the Holy land, which happened mm-hmm. Literally, I hate the word literally, but I'm going to use it there. Literally, it happened in medieval times. Um, right. Tommy Heinsohn said this was political correct was run amok. The necessity right. of this thing is beyond the pale. Get a life. Get a right. life. Um, <laughs> and then and apparently uh, what started all, what apparently started all this is that they, you know the school newspaper, which you used to be the sports editor for, is called the Crusader. Yeah. After the nickname for the sports teams. And somebody learned that apparently the Ku Klux Klan has a newspaper, which is incredible in itself, because I wouldn't think many Klansmen are literate. And they have a newspaper, and that newspaper is called the Crusader. Yeah. So everybody got outraged, like, you know, oh my God, we have the same name as the Klan newspaper. Well, the Crusader of Holy Cross was called the Crusader for years and years before the Klan developed the newspaper and before they named it the Crusader. Yeah. So the notion that it's somehow tied in with the Klan is ridiculous. Yeah. And and th- so that led to a whole thing of we have to reexamine what the Crusader means because mm. the Crusades, you know, Christian knights went to the Holy Land and, you know, there was some there was some war crimes, as we understand them now, that were taken and, you know, the Muslims were treated horribly by the Crusaders. And I'm sure there was Crusaders that were captured that were treated horribly by the Muslims. But the notion when we call the Holy Cross Crusaders, the Holy Cross Crusaders, that at basketball games or football games, that we are anyway celebrating that or, or reliving that is ridiculous. But the most ridiculous thing I ever saw was in the student newspaper, where the student newspaper and the editorial said that the name should be changed if it offends even one person. If even one, one person is offended by something, that you should change it. I'm offended by 20 things a day. Right. But I don't expect everybody to go and change things. I've been offended by three things in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like you calling Giancarlo Stanton Mike. I'm sorry, I called but Mike I'm not Mike. I'm going to march in outrage. I'm just kidding. But 
the, the notion that you could ever have a name or anything in the world that doesn't offend one person is so naive that it, it's, it's laughable. Well, we're going back. And your and parents ought to get their tuition money back if you have a thought like that. We're going back a thousand years, which a thousand years is a long time. I'm pretty sure everything was offensive a thousand years ago. I can't imagine there was one non-offensive thing that was going on a thousand years ago. But of course, according to my 11 minutes of internet research about this, um, <laughs> the Crusades began in in the year 1095, 1095. A Byzantine <laughs> Christian emperor was having problems with Muslim armies on the Eastern Front, and the Pope called for Roman Catholics in Europe to help him out and free the Holy Land from the Muslims, too. Wars sanctioned by the Pope occurred several times over the next couple of hundred years, all known these days by the more more modern term crusade. Now, we went there from 1988 to 1992. Right. I thought the crusader was just a dude, a knight with a sword on a horse. I... Well, that's what it, that's when they when they came up with this nickname in the early 1900s, I believe. It was obviously they didn't, you know they were like, well, how about like the knights, or they thought of something Catholic, or they thought of the Crusades. And yeah. Instead of just calling themselves the knights, they're like, we'll make it more creative. We'll call it the Crusader, name it after the Crusades because you could have a knight with a cross on the shield or on his on his armor. And and it wasn't meant to be like, oh, this will be good because it will really bring back the days of slaughtering Muslims. I mean, there was no there was no connotation to that. It was all about the it was it was all about the bravery or the perceived bravery or the perceived gallantry of the crusaders of of you know medieval knights. Well, hold on, let's Just go. Like when the Minnesota Vikings are the Minnesota Vikings, doesn't mean that you know they're going to rape and pillage Europe. Well, and also you're going back to when they created this name. Um, it's America was horrible in a hundred different ways. It's not like, you know, they had all the wisdom that we might have in 2017, but you're also talking about a school that didn't even let women in until 1973. You know, it's, it's, it's not like this school has, um, has, has the same kind of, I don't know, wokeness that it does in 2017. It's just part of the history of the school. Like it's crazy that they didn't let in women. It's crazy that my dad had the nickname suitcase because every Friday afternoon he got he packed a suitcase and went to whatever college had girls. That was Holy Cross right. fifty years ago. Um, but here's what's really crazy: a crusader was the one who was said to take the cross. Crusaders put a cross on their chest. They right. ventured east to free, from a Christian point of view, the land where Jesus suffered and died on a cross. I'm reading this from an article on the internet, which I forgot to. Uh, I can't remember what the source was. I apologize, but um, this is just facts. Um, They believed that Jesus had made atonement for their sins by his death on a cross. At their best, they dedicated their lives to Jesus by embracing his cross. So it's not just that they're the crusaders. The school's name is Holy Cross. Now, that has... The school's on a slippery slope here because there are people that don't think the cross is holy, don't don't like the cross as a symbol of of Christianity as a symbol of oppression through the years. Yes. You know, you're in a slippery slope here if you get rid of Crusader, because next thing we're going to be the purple school of Worcester. Well, that, but that's the thing. If you're getting rid of the Crusaders, then by that logic, you should also get rid of Holy Cross. Everything should go and they should just call it the Worcester Hills. Right. Worcester Hills Academy. And then it'll be like, well, actually in the 800s, um, people got killed on the hills and we can't have that either. 
Um, can we call it the Worcester Air? Air hasn't offended anyone over the years. We checked. Like, I, I don't know where this Worcester ends. Is named after, uh, Worcester is named after a town in England, and the England have impressed the Irish for 800 years, so I would be personally offended if they named it after Worcester. Let's, 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 take, this a, let's take this a full level here. We're, we're playing Harvard in football, and we're Holy Cross, and Harvard has Jewish fans in the, in the, in the audience. Sure. What if one of the Jewish fans was offended by that. Why are we playing a school called Holy Cross? That doesn't, that's right. closing off, you know, religious thought, but what about my religion? And like, where does this end is my point. It's a thing. It's a slip. It's a total slippery slope and it's going to eat itself. And there's no way you can ever do anything in life that we're not one per one person will find it offensive. And also, you know, I don't want to go out of my way to offend anybody. We're not going to use a slur of any kind, obviously. But but there's no way that you can you can have a, a name of a school or a name of a, a nickname, a mascot of a sports team, and not be offensive to somebody. You could name them the Holy Cross Butterflies, and somebody would be bothered by that. Like I think, I and I've been pretty open about this. I think that it's crazy that we call the Washington Redskins the Washington Redskins. That's right. And I think that using Chief Wahoo on the Cleveland Indians in 2017 is, is, is ridiculous. Is because it's obviously not a, a gross caricature. That's I think and that's a different. It shouldn't happen. Yeah, these are different conversations. Talking about right. this, it's like I just don't know where it ends. And here, here's the last thing I'll say, and I know you have to go. Um, there's better ways to spend your time than this. This has been one there of the really worst. This has been one of the worst years we've ever had as a country. You know, you see what happened in the Alabama race this week. I would just rather see young people use use their energies for stuff like that. Is the only thing I'm going to say. You, Tom, with you, Tommy Heinsohn, Bob Cousy, and Dan Shaughnessy all on one side. It's an unstoppable. There's only one decision to make here. It's, it's... unstoppable force. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, upward and upward. Go Crusaders. Johnny, uh, I wish you the opposite of congratulations for Mike Stanton. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to call him Mike your for the rest of my life. Um, your, Aaron, bitterness, your, your bitterness nourishes me. Thank you. Aaron Boone coming off just an electric ESPN broadcast career. <laughs> I can't wait to see what he's capable of with the Yankees as Yankees manager. Uh, really one of the greats. I'm really going to miss his student analysis during the Sunday baseball uh, games. It'd be great to hear him interviewed. It'd be great to hear how the ESPN people suck up to him, even if he does a bad job. Ah, Booney. Yeah, Booney's doing what he can. I know they're 18 and 24, but uh, it's not Booney's fault. And uh, and last but not least, uh, good luck to good luck to one of our favorites, Mike Francesa, the last couple of days. Absolutely. Johnny. All the best in the future. All right. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Talk to you soon, buddy. Talk to you soon. Anytime. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for the podcast today. Um, Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com and make your first SeatGeek purchase and get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on NBA tickets. Thanks to SeatGeek. Um, thanks for listening today. We will be back on Friday with another BS Podcast.